Last Sunday, or thereabouts, I had a very short conversation with April, and she had mentioned discussion that she was having with uh, those that are close to her with regard to Sierra. And I don't know exactly Sierra's age, middle school, middle school, but she's had questions about baptism. But there's been conflict because you have differences of opinions, ways of looking at baptism, and, and then the obvious question that comes up that I've heard ever since I've become a Christian and, and that question is, what is this age of accountability? When do we know that, that our child is ready to put on Christ in baptism? And what's interesting is that when we talk about this confusion, this confusion is often from the adults, the parents. The parents who are conflicted about, you know, when is this, is there a right time? You know, my child wants to be baptized. I'm not sure if, if they should be because, and you fill in the blank of the because. Or that they hear conflicting messages between parents or between adults when they're discussing. Well, some say, you know, well, and they give their opinion, and the others say, and then they give their opinion, and, and they're not necessarily in sync. And so you have these kinds of questions. Imagine the confusion then for the kids. If the adults are conflicted, if the adults are confused, when they're saying, I'm coming to you for counsel and I'm getting messages that are just not jiving, what do you do? And the thing about this is that when we take a step back, we look at what the confusion is about, and from my perspective, it's not that confusing. And so I'm not saying it's because I'm smarter or anything like that. I'm just saying that I think sometimes we, we make things more difficult than they really do need to be. And so I'm going to share this very, very um, quick answer, if you will, when we talk about these things. But I want to look at just three. And, and I have more in my head, but just these three that we're going to look at. One is, with regard to this confusion, that the child in question doesn't fully understand the purpose and significance of baptism. And so that may be the reason why they're saying, well, maybe, you know, they're not ready because they don't know what they're getting into with regard to this concept of baptism. And others will say, well, you know, they kind of got it, but they're just children. You know, and scriptures talk about children being innocent and whatever. And uh, sometimes I'm wondering if that, that even may be a misapplication of how we look at children because uh, seven children... None of them are innocent. <laughs> and I love my children. And I don't care if Caroline comes into Bible class and says she's never sinned in her life. <laughs> I don't know where you are, Caroline, but I love you. Um, but we see the innocence of children in their maybe lack of understanding, and it is from that standpoint that we're wondering. And when you go to a passage, well, we're going to go to the passage of Romans 7 in just a little bit, but... We go to these passages and we talk about where their minds are at. We add to that, are they able to even count the cost? Because when Jesus was saying, you know, you, you need to um, love less your father, or mother, or brother, or sister than me, you cannot be my disciple if you're not willing to do that. I need to be first. And can children comprehend that? 
And so for all these reasons, I want you to think about this. Is this more about the child's conviction or about the adult's perception about the child's conviction that we're adding? Does that make sense? In other words, sometimes is it more the adult's decision than the child's decision? And as adults, we are wanting to make the very best decision so that they can make theirs. But sometimes we forget it's going to have to be their decision. The very thing that we want for any other person, right? I mean, we don't want to project our judgment and decision on another adult. But we change it because it's our child. And as a result, I have... I have had many of discussions over the years with other parents about this very question. And so far, there was at least two that I can think of in my head that specifically had a moment that I remember when their child was begging them to, to be baptized in the Christ. And I think one was, I think, 11. I think the other was about 13. And, and I can just imagine some of your thoughts going, Oh, that's too young. Or oh, that's old enough. Oh, that's good. That's good right there. And about any of these situations, you've made your own judgments just listening to these words. But in both cases, under whatever the situation of the parents, they decided their child was not ready. And both of them regretted their decision. I'm not saying that others did not regret theirs, but these two shared this with me, that regret one serves as an elder back in Georgia. And it wasn't until his child was about 20 years old before he obeyed the gospel as a result. And it, it meant for many years of sleepless nights for, for mom and dad. So I share that with you because sometimes we look at things and it's really from my perspective and not my child's perspective. Well, let's try and simplify things. Let's see if we can answer this question very simply. When is a person accountable to God? Scripture tells us when. The Scripture does not tell us at this age, at this IQ, at this experience, but it just tells us in very clear terms when this person is able to be quote-unquote accountable before God. And I want you to open up to Romans chapter 7. I want us to, to look at this. And we're not spending much time. We're just going to look at the, the essence of these passages so that we get it. In Romans chapter 7, again, what the Apostle Paul is trying to do is to show that we are justified by faith in Christ and not by anything else. And one of the illustrations is how there are those who are justified through law. But he uses the discussion about law to show us that we're not going to be justified by it. And in this discussion, he brings about a point that I think is very pertinent to what we're discussing right now. In Romans chapter 7, after discussing the whole concept of law and being bound by those who are under this law, he continues in verse 7 and says, what shall we say then with regard to law? Is the law sin? Certainly not. On the contrary, I would not have known sin except through the law. For I would not have known covetousness unless the law had said, you shall not covet. But sin taking opportunity by the commandment produced in me all manner of evil desire. For apart from the law, sin was dead. 
I was alive once without the law, but when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. And the commandment which was to bring life, I found to bring death. For sin taken occasion by the commandment deceived me and by it killed me. What is Paul saying here? There's a concept in which you can teach law to your children and they, they don't understand it. One day, Julie and I are walking out the store and we found Allie had candy that was not paid for because she wanted it. And we told her that's called stealing and she was fine with that. <laughs> we told her it was wrong. <laughs> And so we're teaching her these things. She didn't fully understand it. But there came a point in time when the light bulb turns on that stealing is wrong. But you may still want it. Paul is saying he didn't know what covetousness was until the commandment was understood. When it came alive, if you will. And it was because of that law, it said, it produced in him all evil manner of desire with regard to covetousness. I'll say the same from personal experience. There were certain things that I did before I was a child of God and learned anything about the Lord that I did that was sinful, that I didn't think anything of it. There were other things that I was taught morally wrong and I still did it and it affected my conscience. But that's proving this point here with law that's what is important when you come to an understanding of here is this commandment from God and I've broken it I'm guilty of it and that's in Acts chapter 2 and verse 37 after Peter had preached the gospel to them remember there are those who are saying men and brethren what shall we do to be saved because they were pricked in their heart their conscience had been pricked they came to understand that they broke the law, so to speak, and were found guilty. And as a result, they wanted to be right with God. That's one way of answering this question, when they're convicted of sin. And so regardless of age, when there is a knowledge within a person that is convicted of sin, that is an indication that they're accountable to God. That's simple. It does not matter that we say, okay, well, now what age? Because the same thing can be say, uh, said for, for any person. What if they are my age? Well, then that's okay. Well, what if they don't have the mental capacity? See, it's not a matter of age. It's a matter of are you convicted of sin? Second thing is, are they able to believe in and confess that Jesus is the Christ? And when I'm talking about being able to confess, I'm not just saying they can say words, Jesus is the Christ. Anyone can do that. Do they have a knowledge that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God? And, and this actually washes away a lot of the um, teachings that we find in denominations that have little babies that are being baptized. And when I use baptism, I'm using the word very loosely right now because they usually pour a sprinkle in that case. But we're, we're talking about the fact that of this little babe that doesn't know anything to believe in Jesus Christ. And you can know of even little children that go to Bible classes and are taught wonderful things and they can teach a Jesus Christ, but they don't know what even that means. They're able to spew truth, 
but not have understanding of that truth. And when I talk about understanding, I'm not talking about understanding to the depth of having all these Bible studies, but I'm talking about the understanding that Jesus came into this world, he died on the cross for the sins that I'm guilty of. And it's through his blood and his righteousness that I'm acknowledging that he is both Lord and Savior. That's who I'm coming to. I'm not saying we have to have this academic understanding. I did not have that academic understanding, but I knew that he was the Christ as I was taught. And I knew that I was in sin. I met these two first conditions. And the third one is, are they able to repent? In other words, that whole concept of when Paul in Romans chapter 7 saying, you know, I, I knew covetous was, was covetousness because the law told me it was. But I also knew that because of that commandment, it produced in me all evil desire. But I want to live for the Lord. I want to serve him. And I'm willing, as awful as I may be about it, I'm willing to strive to give my life to him. That's a concept of repentance. It was this concept where the Jews said, you're not the Christ. And Peter said, yes, he is. And 3,000 said, I'm convicted. He is the Christ. He is a son of God. It was a change of heart, change of mind. It was not necessarily for them that they were uh, adulterers and so on. It was believing that Jesus was the Christ and they needed to change their mind. Context of Acts chapter 2. It may be for the Gentiles, generally speaking, morality decisions in combination to the fact that Jesus is the Christ, that they're going to repent and turn to him and do works befitting of repentance. That's what Acts chapter 2 verse 38 is. Do works befitting repentance. That's exactly what was taught in chapter 3, verse 19, and 26, verse 18. Doing works befitting repentance. Can you do that? In other words, I'm walking this way without the Lord in my own way, and I want to walk with him. That's what the scriptures teach. The scriptures never gave us, when you have a bar mitzvah, from a Jewish standpoint, now you are a true man. I mean, in many cultures, becoming an adult is a lot sooner than in our culture, where we are children for many years, sometimes decades. That's just reality of where we, we just live in a culture that we're children for so long. But when we're confronted with truth, are we convicted of that truth and that means that I'm a sinner. And that I'm really willing and able to believe that Jesus is the Christ who died for my sins. So that I may turn away from the way I'm living and turn to him and give him my life. That is that, that death that we're talking about. And here's where baptism comes in. You see, in baptism, when we're putting to death the old man of sin, it's because we know we're sinners. <laughs> It's when we are dying to sin and we're dying in the likeness of Christ's death that we recognize that he is the one who washes my sins away. It is his righteousness. It is his blood that I come into contact with. And therein lies these points that we're talking about. And that's what we're seeing in baptism. You're seeing the gospel in this act. And when you die to that old man of sin and rise to walk in newness of life, you're walking with 
the one who died for you. That's the picture of baptism. It's not just, hey, God just chose getting wet, coming up out of water, an answer of a good conscience. It is an answer of good conscience. But it's based upon these three major points. And whether you can categorize these three major points in a very eloquent way or not, do you have these three points? And if the answer is yes, you're accountable to God. What that age is, the Bible does not say. But somehow we want to say at least this age. When we do that, brethren, we are now in the place of God. When we determine the actual age, when in fact, you may have a child begging. And, and, and you might say, but Mitch, my child doesn't know. Well, they don't know any of these three points. They do, but they don't know the extent. I want to tell you this. When I became a Christian, I did not count the cost that many want our children to count the cost. I was never told by Andy Barrett, preacher, when I was becoming a Christian, Mitch, you're going you're to have to count the cost. I don't remember that discussion. If he did, it went past me. What I remember was, Mitch, you're a sinner. And I, yeah, you're right. You need to believe that Jesus is the Christ. I do. And you're willing to walk with him. If that was counting the cost, that's all that I knew about counting the cost. And I was willing to walk with him. I've learned to grow about, man, that cost is a lot more than I knew at that moment I became a Christian. I did not know the fullness of repentance when I was repenting. I did not know the fullness of who Jesus Christ was as Lord and as Savior the day I became a Christian. And it just so happens I have children that when they were 9, 10, 11 years old, as some of them were about those ages when they became Christians, that they actually knew more than I did when I became a Christian. But they knew it as a 9-year-old, as a 10-year-old, an 11-year-old. And yes, 9, 10, and 11-year-olds in our country at this time, not the most mature, but can be very much the same convicted I have the same convictions that I had as a 20-year-old. Or as now I have as a 48-year-old, or almost 48-year-old. So you're, you're talking about not a matter of age, but a matter of ability. That's what we're talking about. And for everyone, it's going to be different. That may not solve all of your questions that you have with the nuances that you have in your situation with your family. Sarah, I hope it helps you. There you go. <laughs> I hope it does. Because it's got to be a decision you're making between you and God. And brethren, what we do is we help them to come to that conviction by the way we live our lives. And letting them know as parents, we're sinners. And not just with words, but true repentance. True biblical conviction in our beliefs. That's what we're talking about. I hope that this helps. Um, definitely we could, we could go into more details. But I pray that for anyone who is here, aside from Sierra, any other person, regardless of your age, that you had that true conviction. I'm telling you right now, McKenna has no idea what we're talking about. 
She just, well, no wonder she's asleep. Okay. <laughs> That's why she, but if she was awake, she still wouldn't have known what we're talking about. It just gone over her head. She doesn't qualify. See how simple that is? I'll say this as one um, example that I remember. Blew me away. And this is like how you have the bell curve. For those that are in your, your statisticians, your statistics classes, you got your bell curve. You got the one percenters that are so, so intelligent, so smart. Here was a six-year-old boy taking sermon notes from my sermons 25 years ago in Greek. And he talked as if I was talking to an adult. Forgot his name. I know his family. Taking notes in Greek, come on, who does that? Who does that as an adult, let alone six years old? Everyone's different. Different abilities at different ages. So think about these things as we think about our own children, as we think about our own convictions. And so I pray that if you're here and you have this ability to know the message of the gospel, you're accountable. If you can... Realize that you are a sinner, that Jesus is the answer to your sins, and he's the only answer to your sins. And you're willing to follow after him as your Lord and your Savior, you are accountable. But what makes the gospel good news is your accountability can be taken care of right now. You can die to yourself. I mean, put it to death and rise to walk in newness of life. There are many of those, those campers that we were talking about last, or, yeah, last month when I went to the, the camp where there were kids, you know, 10, 11, 12, 13 years old, 14, 15, 16 years old, who are being baptized into Christ for the remission of their sins. They wanted a second chance, as, as they said. That's what we all have. That's what the gospel allows for. You can have that right now. And if you need our prayers, by all means, come. Use this opportunity. It's together we stand and sing.